Hello, and welcome once again to The Dice Are Screaming. Oh! I'm Randy. And I am Mike. And together we are the Dicemen of The Dice Are Screaming. Welcome once again. It's our Tuesday edition. Yes. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, today we're going to be doing a little bit of a topical approach on something that we've, we've just heard about. Uh, we thought it was a very interesting thing to talk about, but uh, first... Uh, our standard intro, uh, this is Mike and... Randy, of course. The Dicemen of the Dice Are Screaming, and once again, we always love uh, communication from anybody who happens to be listening. Uh, All three of you. Yeah, yeah, like a 50% increase in our, our listenership, yeah. uh, you know, so that, that third person, uh, thank you very much. Uh, but we always look forward to call-ins, shout-outs, and what have you uh, via our... Uh, Various operations on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and of course, Instagram has been Instagram. coming uh, coming in pretty handy. My wife has uh, been handling that. She's now the official <laughs> Instagram know. poster of the Dicer Screaming. So, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> and uh, with that, uh, as Mike said, we're going to have a topical approach. So, uh, Eric Tenkar of Tenkar's Tavern and his podcast. Uh, talked today, or recently, yesterday I think it was, about henchmen and hirelings. Yeah, which was something that uh, hit us as a authentically old school topic, because it it does seem to have become less relevant uh, in later editions of the game. Uh, but it is something that those of us who were there for the first edition, uh, we remember it well, and it was a major facet. Uh, it was something that you know, we ran into all the time. Yeah, a lot of henchmen primarily came from rescued prisoners, uh, NPCs that uh, you happen to help out at a certain point could become potential henchmen. And of course, uh, Eric Tenkard did talk about the differentials, but uh, we're just going to cover it here. A henchman is primarily somebody who is, shares a lot of the adventuring bulk along with the primary player character who controls them. And a henchman gets a share of the treasure, is a lot loyaler, and also more skilled. They're usually a person with a class and uh, relatively compensatory to their uh, main player. But they're a second-bit player, and uh, I think that uh, comes into the part there, which we'll talk more on later. But hirelings are just uh, guys you hire, like men-at-arms, drovers, anybody with an appreciable skill or talent that you need. Even if it's just like holding a torch or hefting in a bag of loot. I'll call the Brute Squad. That's right. You are the Brute Squad. Yeah, just, uh, you know, hirelings are more in the goon category. Uh, that or short-term specialists. People who have one particular skill that you need. Hey, nobody brought along a druid or a ranger? Ah, well, might need a couple of animal handlers uh, if you're running a pack train. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are handy, uh, but they're not as loyal or as tough as the old-fashioned henchmen. Yeah. Uh, and henchmen are primarily secondary player characters. If your main player character is taken out, you can play your henchman. Now, a smaller party in the older days, um, henchmen were really vital. Yeah, if you only had three players, uh, you know, if maybe one spell slinger... Uh, you know, one decent rogue, 
and one decent frontline fighter, uh, you were in real trouble. You know, you wanted more bodies than that going into that dungeon, especially if, uh, you know, the dungeon was designed for a larger party, you know, six to eight characters. A uh, nice way to overcome that was for everybody to go into town, track down some hirelings. You know, say your average party level was 7th, uh, 8th, ninth level zone. Uh, they go out and hire some 5th and 6th level people to follow along, sling a few healing spells, uh, make a nice shield wall, and huck a few spears over it. Uh, a little something to give the party an edge in the event that they didn't have the raw muscle uh, just based on the player characters. Uh, and it was a nice hole card, especially in an era where, uh, let's, if we're talking first edition, it was really topsy-turvy. You could have two people, or you could have ten people. It just, there was no real expected limit or uh, expected required minimum. Uh, right. You really didn't want to give up your gaming chance just for want of bodies, whereas uh, I, I think nowadays we, we kind of have the luxury of, eh, okay, we'll call it, you know, we're, we're under four people, you know, we're just gonna, eh, we'll take a break. Uh, in those days, I, I seem to recall being uh, urgently interested in gaming to the degree that, well, screw it, man, solo campaign. Yeah. <laughs> and as we talked earlier, um, when you had henchmen, uh, they did kind of be uh, tend to be the second bit players. They weren't given as much screen time, so to speak. Occasionally, they might have a use uh, something useful to come up with to say, or a special skill or proficiency that you needed or was handy. But most of the time, it was mainly the player characters as the star of the show. And I think as later editions crept in, especially your third, where character optimization became more important. Uh, you put a lot more time and effort into a single-player character than you did, say, before. You uh, tended to focus more on that character, and henchmen were less of a consideration, especially when the game style went from a large group of people, like you said, uh, yeah, you might have ten people, well, lucky fucking you. Yeah. And if you got, you know, two or three, well, then definitely henchmen are in the offering, but... Uh, you needed to have a kind of balance there. So henchmen did uh, occasionally, you forget about them easily enough, like, oh, what was uh, Navi put the torchbearer doing? Oh, he was looting the bodies. Okay. <laughs> also, you know, when you're going into town to hire ha hire some talent, uh, be a little wary of out-of-work thieves. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a uh, trap checker. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm just a, uh, I'm here to carry bags of loot. Yeah, that's what I do. It's a, just a, just a part-time electrician. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got nothing on me. You know, um, <laughs> you never know what kind of crazy character you're going to run into yeah. uh, when the DM is in a uh, sprightly mood. Uh, yeah, and also the assassin impersonating someone. Yeah, also not an impossibility. Uh, Doppelgangers. <laughs> to institute the doppelganger check. Oh, doppelganger check. But there's no doppelganger check. Ah, you passed. <laughs> uh, no, those were interesting times. Uh, I think henchmen and hirelings are still... I mean, they, they could be relevant if they're introduced into a campaign as an idea, even in editions of the game where they haven't been emphasized 
the way that uh, first edition emphasized them. Uh, it was a little more muted in later editions. It, it just wasn't such yeah. a relevant part. And that's been a continuing trend. I mean, it's just narrowed and narrowed until finally uh, there's so little mention of it. Uh, just a, a few notes on hiring specialist talent. Yeah, like a smith or a alchemist primarily. But, you know, also mention uh, the old days uh, sages. Oh, uh, yes. Seeking uh, out the sages was a worthy goal. Sometimes you had to travel to places. Other times you could just find them at a local college or place of learning. But uh, sages um, were always a great way to learn about a lore associated with a place beyond what you could just pick up in a t few tavern whispers or words from other adventurers. I used to be an adventurer like you until I took an arrow to the knee. Yeah, it, advice alone is often not enough at the start of an adventure, and cannier players will take note of the fact that, you know, like, we know nothing about this place. We don't know anything about the flora or fauna. We have no idea uh, what the conditions are like uh, at any given time of year. And we have no idea of the relative strength and or weakness of the items we're looking for, or whether there's some massive curse hanging over it, and if there is, what is the exact nature of that, and how do we avoid uh, falling prey to that? Uh, especially in artifact quests, smarter PCs immediately, you know, ran it up the flagpole. I'm going to check with the sage! Yeah, go find a sage. He can tell you about who built the uh, area or why it fell into disrepair or disuse. Anything about uh, the builders of it, what it was about. Those can all come in handy. And, of course, that's a DM fodder to give a peek behind the screen on all the copious notes that you've accumulated that really players don't have any idea what is really going on. This is just a dungeon. It's an old ruin, obviously cursed or haunted by the undead. Well, why are the undead haunting the place? Well, Legend you know. says that the non-Euclidean maze drove all of the artisans involved in its crafting quite mad. Their spirits haunted to this day. Yeah, that kind of, you know. Yeah, but it, it gives a sense, like, okay, now we know what we're going to deal with. So, stocking up on holy water and other things uh, was essential. But in the newer edition of games, you know, the uh, characters are a little bit more skilled. Some of them have uh, knowledge skills pertaining to history or dungeoneering or lore. And esoteric in and that's of itself. And that makes it a little easier. But always remember that you know, a trip to a sage, a person with a high knowledge and vast learning, can always be a good way to get your characters deeper involved into an adventure. But uh, digressing a little bit from the main topic of henchmen and hirelings, um, I think mechanic-wise, uh, the leadership feat has really done away with uh, the hiring of henchmen because, well, you know, I get a cohort, and a cohort follows me around, and I get to design the character. Well, how I've remedied that in uh, for third edition and higher games is basically that you can have a henchman. You pay him a share. Anybody can potentially be a henchman that feels uh, a certain amount of uh, loyalty or... Um, in essence, a camaraderie or with uh, your character's orders or society. And they can become just as much as a cohort. But a co you don't get to design them. The DM kind of hands them to you. Yeah, my rule of thumb has always been uh, you can hire anybody up to about two levels below you. And mm -hmm. that's just a rule of thumb. It's, it's not a, a thing that you know is spelled out uh, particularly in any one book. 
Uh, it was just always my opinion that, you know, if they're that close to you in level, uh, you know, they're, they're looking more at uh, party membership. Yeah, especially in the older editions when they became name level, they could go out and strike out on their own. They would usually leave your service. Of course, they still, you're still pals and stuff like that. You can always ask them for a favor or two now and then, but they're not going to hench for you. Having uh, nowadays with no real name level or specific time that you uh, can become a lord or clear out an area and start your own uh, followers, you can do that with just one leadership beat. You have to be over six level, but, you know, if you find a character in dire straits, rescue them or help them out, you know, it's possible that you could recruit them to be a henchman. And uh, once they're recruited, of course, they're going to expect to share a treasure and all that. And then it's the player's job to maintain that character, gear them up, and uh, also kind of see to their, uh, their play, keep track of them during combat. Yeah, I actually uh, had a party that... Uh, took the fullest possible advantage of a random encounter role in an evil city in a uh, Greyhawk-based campaign. Uh, I, I think they were in the, if not the Bandit Kingdoms, then uh, uh, somewhere near Ayaz's turf. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. And they were in one of those uh, questionably aligned cities. Uh, they had a random encounter with were-tigers. Uh, were-tigers... Uh, in old school being neutral, um, uh, they wound up having a favorable encounter role. Uh, communications were open, and they were leveled uh, creatures, uh, you know, fighters and a mage. So the party hired them as a group uh, based on a very generous offering. Uh, I, I did put the screws to them on the price for that. Uh, but yeah, they had a bride of were-tigers traveling with them. Oh, yeah, and I've even had one uh, where a less good group hired a manticore to come along with them for a share of treasure and, of course, uh, meat. Ooh. But, you know, again, it's a, it was a kind of touch-and-go situation since they're very ravenous. But, you know, you can have all kinds of different uh, creatures come along for one shot sort of thing, and that gives a variety and gives somebody a chance to play something maybe they wouldn't normally be able to play. Oh, and that's another factor. Uh, always be mindful of the impact of the appearance of the group. Um, if you're talking about six people on the road, uh, that's not that impressive. You know, like, sure, they got mounts, uh, you know, they got armor, they got swords. Uh, but that's not that impressive. If you're dealing with wild creatures or monsters, um, you know, that's, that's not something that is really going to shock them to the core of their being. On the other hand, if that same six party members uh, and their mounts are traveling with a total of 12 or 15 hench persons, uh, well, now you're talking about something more like a pack train. You know, it's almost a merchant caravan at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got a couple of wagons, uh, you know, a uh, number of draft animals. Uh, you have a more significant presence. Uh, you are more easily noticed. But on the other hand, weaker monsters, if you happen to roll an encounter and it, it's random, and they're kind of well outnumbered by the party, they may just shrink away. 
Oh yeah, yeah. We'll pass. That, that's yeah, an well, awful lot of sharp stuff. I, I, yeah. Yeah, zero level men at arms aren't going to really put up much of a fight versus a hill giant. But you know, if you have like thirty men at arms and you know small company of uh, archers, they're going to shy away from you, and may even be bargained or bullied into sharing some information, or if nothing else, just leaving the area and leaving you alone. Making sure also that, uh, as we were talking about the. Just kind of closing this up a little bit. You know, never forget the enchantment spells. You know, enchanting. Uh, in a recent campaign I played in, I had my sorcerer charm monster on a frost giant to get information in mm. navigating through a large complex of frost giants. And of course, uh, you know, having this frost giant now kind of my ally, ah. you know, was a smart thing. And, you know, I, that allowed us to move through the place, and we even befriended a few of the less evil of the giants in another steading, the hill giants, ones that were being uh, brutally uh, treated by the uh, hill giants, more ferocious members. We were able to uh, make friends with that, but, you know, that doesn't really touch on this, the main premise of henchmen and hirelings, so I think that there's a lot of opportunity for one-offs and small encounter uh, that can turn into a ally, as well as uh, just traditionally finding somebody in need of work. And you know, I'm down on my luck, and I'm, uh, you know, I lost, uh, had a couple bad turns in venturing, and now I, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I need to kind of help uh, get it back on my feet. So uh, you know, I'm willing to swing a sword, and I got some skills I can lend to the party and the team. All right, well, you seem like a trustworthy sort, and so you know, you get a share of treasure, and they're going to be on board. But of course. The last thing I think that uh, we should touch on is morale. There we go. I was already headed there yeah. myself. On the, on the question of loyalty, morale comes in. Now, if you have player characters who are grateful for the help and are generous to their employees, uh, they will, generally speaking, uh, unless you have slipped them a mickey in the form of somebody who is, you know, pronouncedly... Uh, ungrateful and intentionally deceiving them into trusting them. Uh, otherwise, they will find that they have loyal, helpful hench people who cheerfully watch their goods and defend their camp and uh, will go into danger for them, assuming that they're being both fair and generous. Uh, and that applies to any system, uh, far yeah. beyond first edition. Uh, but First edition gave a great core view into that dynamic. Using things like charm spells and facetious methods of like, oh, yes, we'll give you a share treasure. No, well, we didn't get as much because we hit it. <laughs> but we came out of the dungeon. Uh, wasn't as much. Uh, we didn't reveal that to our henchmen. Yeah, that uh, yeah, that, that uh, blue dragon up there, uh, amazing thing. I, the craziest thing I ever saw. <laughs> All it had was like 10,000 copper pieces. Yeah, I, I, crazy. Don't even, I don't even know how that happened. Yeah, they'll figure it out, and if they do, boy, you're going to riot on your hands. And uh, deservedly so, because uh, henchmen often hang back. Uh, you know, they're, they're for those emergency moments, uh, and they're not supposed to be the frontliners, like the first line of defense. Well, if it gets through the henchmen, I suppose I'll have to fight it. You know, just that is not okay. Uh, that is anti-heroic and rapidly degrades morale. Uh, and henchmen who have been subjected to a continual amount of this, sooner or later, 
It's always a nice gesture as a DM to uh, just, I, I don't know, uh, I'm not saying, I'm just suggesting yes. that a circumstance comes up where they're truly dependent on those henchmen for a total rescue. And that happens to be the moment they go, oh, yeah, well, I'll bet that uh, those those paydays in arrears uh, look uh, ten times more embarrassing now, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, they, I know. They, like, seriously, you, you, you wouldn't part with a plus one dagger? You know, you couldn't spot me a healing potion when I had a punctured lung with an orc spear in it? Yeah. Yeah, man, I, it looks like it would have been a cheap price now, huh? Yeah, you give me anything for that. Yeah, I learned real quick to, as a mage, playing as a wizard for a long time, to treat my uh, fighter henchmen very well. Oh yeah, lavish rewards. Uh, you know, the, the surest guarantor of uh, well-conducted henchmen. And, you know, encourage that in any, you know, like hench and or hireling thing. You know, uh, stingy, cruel, uh, malicious player characters. Uh, Certainly, you know, there's a price that comes with that. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're terrible to the people around you, sooner or later, the people around you are terrible to you. Yep, and that's the big thing is I think uh, both styles of play really support, you know, if you do use henchmen in them, you know, they're people. They, uh, you know, depending on their alignment, a more evil henchman or one that's more prone to chaos and neutrality probably is going to be looking for an angle at all times. And they make a pretty poor henchman, but one that's relatively uh, decently aligned up in the neutral categories or a lawful is going to be a very loyal person if you treat them that way. And no matter what the alignment or whatever the reasons that uh, circumstances they came into the service of the player character, monitor the player characters, the treatment of them, and if it's poor, they're going to turn on them. Or if nothing else, just depart unheralded, maybe departing with a few items. Yeah, uh, especially if uh, if the player characters make a habit of uh, leaving their gear outside, they're probably going to want some henchman support. Uh, if they delve into the dungeon but have a base camp uh, at the entrance, uh, they're going to want somebody guarding that. Because, you know, I, well, alright, I don't know about your campaign, but... Uh, in, in almost any campaign where I'm involved, uh, I, I gotta say my players have, have gotten weary uh, and wary because they know that abandoned goods are just like ringing a dinner bell for the DM. Like, mm -hmm. really? You, you leave all the mounts, all the wagons, all of your food and tents and, you know, all of your supplies, and you leave it uh, right up there, right at Right at the entrance, right? Well, okay. no. Just making it clear. <laughs> Not me. I know mean, <laughs> uh, better. And then the next thing they know, they come back out and they've been pillaged uh, to within an inch of their lives. Uh, you know, their their mounts slaughtered uh, by whatever, whatever, you know, vicious uh, fauna happened to you know surround the area. Or flora. Uh, could be mm -hmm. Yeah, one. it could be a walking plant, shambling mound. Yeah. You know, just all kinds of things, nasty things out there in the in the forest. And, you know, it, it can put a lot of extra stress on them. Uh, in one case, I trashed, a, what is it, the, the wagons, supplies, and mounts uh, with an angry Deo. Uh, angry oh, Earth Gene. Uh, well, that's what happens when you uh, have a bad encounter with the monsters of rock. But <laughs> I digress. Um, 
Yeah, it's always important that uh, whenever you bring along your henchmen and hirelings that uh, you have something to do with, uh, you leave a strong rear guard if you're going to have a base camp and always make sure that uh, they're well supported. But I think we've touched pretty well and uh, we've rambled on a little bit, but I uh, oh, hope you gained sure. some insight for it. And as always, uh, you know, we do this uh, twice a week. This is Tuesday, so we'll be coming at you on Friday. But uh, Anchor is our podcast format of choice, but we're also on Spotify and Apple and probably several others I'm not really thinking of at the moment. So <laughs> whatever you're listening to us on, hey, you know, um, on the Dyson Screaming Facebook page, look us up, leave a little message there about what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to see. And, of course, as we're just kind of keeping pace here with what's happening in other podcasts, uh, help out your other podcasters, uh, Old Man Grognard and... Uh, Gothridge Manor, uh, playing yes. it wrong. Yes, see Thorin. Yeah. Uh, and, of course... Uh, follow Me and Die. Follow Me and Die. And Local Eric Eric Tencar's, Tencar's Tavern. Yeah. Bartender to the OSR. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys take care. Uh, enjoy. And we'll see you, you Friday. See. Yeah, we'll see you Friday. Until then, may, may the, the dice always roll in your, your favor. favor. We're out. We're out.